0: Welcome everyone to season two, episode seven of the On Pat Podcast. In this episode, I speak with Patricia Blanker, a senior industry solutions manager at the Zurich-based scale-up, Scandit. I had the chance to work with Patricia in her earlier role in open systems and was always intrigued by how intentional she's been with her career choices. In this conversation, we talk about her personal path. Everything from how growing up in a small town on the picturesque shores of Lake Zurich has shaped her into the person she is today as well as an extended, eye-opening trip to South America, as well as, of course, her career path, starting with a bachelor's and master's in electrical engineering from ETH Zurich, then going back for a second master's at ETH, and the many roles she's had, from working in signal processing to being a network engineer to a product marketer, and especially how she proactively sought out her product marketing role. I hope you enjoyed this conversation, and as always, thank you for listening. All right. Hi, Patricia. Welcome to the OnPath podcast.
1: Hi, Michelle. Glad to be here.
0: So maybe just to start off, where uh, are you right now?
1: I'm in the in the upper floor, uh, right beyond the roof. i um, in Zurich, at Just really, i um, right at the border to Zurich, yeah. and it's actually not so far away from where I grew up. Right. Uh, we really ride the port on the other side of the hill, so to say. Yeah. Because I, I grew up in in Talwil, and um, also next uh, a little town next to to Zurich, right at the lake, in Switzerland. Um, and and yeah, basically all my life I have been in this area.
0: Okay, and how, so now it's uh, just to kind of place ourselves. We're in January 2022, two years into the pandemic. How how is that going? How is the work from home going? Well,
1: sometimes I feel really tired and really fed up, um, especially because I'm, I kind of thrive most in a, in, in a whole team. And if you have that feeling and that, that bondage of a team, I miss that very, very much. But in general, I think it's also very much a chance to, to rebuild how you want to work and how you work. And with um, working from home so long now, sometimes longer periods where we really had to work from home and sometimes um, a bit of um, a relief in, in the sense that we could go one or two days to the office again. But I, I actually like to take the chance and, and rethink how I want to work. And sometimes it's um, also really cool to have uh, a much more time for personal stuff like sports, also to see more people in the area, in the neighborhood, Mm-hmm. and to connect with those, and not only at work, right? Um, with randomly, uh, random other people, you normally don't have time to connect that often or to go for a walk or to talk about really uh, other stuff, gardening, anything yeah. you like. Um, and the other thing is, um, which I took advantage of for sure is um, my family has a house in the mountains. The first lockdown we, we spent uh, together with my boyfriend, we spent there. Two and a, two and a half months there, which is a different life again, right? So yeah. You can go cross-country skiing over lunch, and uh, if uh, time permits, sometimes you can squeeze in a session on the pist as well. So it's, uh, it's it's I think it's very much also an opportunity to to change something and to rethink how you want to work and life. Like the, your work-life balance can be recalibrated.
0: yeah yeah, that's a great point i mean of course there are many things that are difficult about it but it's also an opportunity in so many ways with, with the kind of flexibility that you can get
1: exactly yeah and also when i think back we were you're connected on one side very much to people you physically see like to the people in your office but especially if you're working in a global company it's also a chance that you get better connected with people from all around the world such that you'd feel the same way as a team with people from, from um, the Americas or from Asia, which, um, who you don't see normally in the office if you're just in, in Europe or in Zurich, in my case.
0: Yeah, when we're all on a video call, then we're all on the same level, as opposed to two years back when it would be that one person who we would forget to dial in and they would be on a bad connection and then they just couldn't say anything or participate in the meeting. Now we we're all we're all on the same level
1: same opportunity for everyone. Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. Cool. So you actually, you just started to mention it, but I would, I would love to dig into a little bit um, about where you grew up and especially how you think that's, that's impacted who you are as a person now.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mentioned it several times. I'm really, uh, actually I'm a, Small town girl, especially in an international comparison, right? For from for that time, Tallville with around sixteen thousand people living there was quite big for for my understanding, right? That was all I, I knew. Um, I said it's it's next to Zurich and um, it's right at the border uh, at the lake of Zurich. Beautiful, beautiful area to grow up actually, and very very safe and secure. So uh, I could always. Uh, spend the whole afternoon in the the forest nearby or at the lake. So so I still remember that freedom that I realized the first time when I was outside of, S- of Switzerland, especially um, how precious that that freedom was to grow up in, in such an area uh, yeah. and, and such such a safe place. Uh, I think that's for sure something that yeah shaped me a bit. That I'm not really anxious. And mm-hmm. uh, I just take I feel an inner safety and security, maybe because of that, because I never had a bad experience when yeah. I grew up and, and in that time that shapes you. And the other thing I'm, I would say that shaped me a lot was um, that the, I, I was growing up in a family with a, I have an older sister, a younger brother. And both my parents were always there for us. so so it was very much something that I always had to mm, to take, go into contact with people, and everybody of us is is very yeah. <laughs> very different. yeah, so um we were always i I still remember friends when they visited us over lunch or something. It was always said, "Ah, you're really loud, family, everybody." <laughs> tries to uh, to tell their story from from school or whatever so yeah. it was always a bit of a, i was always very aware of that i i'm one person in a whole universe of people and and that it's important that i take my place but it's also important that i leave space for others and yeah that that it's kind of a, a balance of of taking and giving uh, in the sense of and, and that's really important. Communication is really important that that was yeah, basically the second thing, especially within communication within a, a family that is so active, like mine, you learn that you have sometimes to to really fight for your space to tell your story. And, yeah. and sometimes um, you, you start thinking about how you tell a story quite, quite early, because you want to keep your space to tell whatever you want to tell in hindsight really yeah. i think is one of the the learnings i have from from my family and from my time when i grew up especially that that inner peace and that the freedom i think comes from from this from my childhood how i grew up especially from the place i still remember that i thought everything changes when i went to high school in zurich yeah. i mean it opened up my world quite a lot, right? From <laughs> 16,000 people to more than 1 million in a city. Zurich is still small if you compare it to, to bigger cities <laughs> around the world. But for me, that was already—I got lost. I think in my second week, I just knew the the way from from, top, from my home to to the school and back, and maybe a bit around it when there was a cinema or something, but nothing else. And yeah, and um, but still, the, my world was was pretty small, and I think. The bigger step was then when I went to university, not in terms of a geographical mm-hmm. opening up because it was all in Zurich. I went to ETH um, in Zurich, but really much more from from a, that there. You really have top students. You you meet a lot more people, also internationally from all around the world, basically. And yeah. there was the first time where I realized, first of all, okay, not sometimes you really have to study. So I was not um, one of the better performing students by nature anymore, but I really had to fight for that. That was the first thing. And and the second thing was really um, the the whole, your comparison range and and the whole pressure went just up from from the town to the city and now (laughs) to an international level, which was just the bigger step, uh, at least for me.
0: Yeah. But I mean you you say small town but the end Talville is like 15 minutes from Zurich right you must have been kind of quite connected in some sense as well like going in on the weekends and all that.
1: Yes um for sure you knew it but basically you knew everything a tourist knows you okay. you knew the Bahnhofstrasse and all the shops there and you basically always went to the event places where the cinema is, where, I don't know, some something at the lake. But I didn't know Zurich the way I know it now. And I, I got to know it uh, when I studied there, especially, because it's just, yeah. And, and, and so suddenly you realize that Zurich is small as well, right? <laughs> Compared to <laughs> other, other cities. That, that yeah. was maybe the realization of that was that opened up My world yeah
0: so continuing on the theme of places i I know you spent some time in in south america what took you there how long were you there and what are some your lasting impressions
1: yeah that's always a funny story i think always when i plan something a bigger trip or something like that it it turned out completely different than initially planned and that was one of that so i planned to between bachelor's and and master's in electrical engineering at ETH, you had to do an internship to Mm -hmm. to gain some practical experience which is a great thing i think now it's not the case anymore but i i really love that it was the first time i realized uh okay actually i'm not that's stupid <laughs> and yeah. i think when you start studying at eth everything you you learn in the first month especially is yeah i'm just one of the, the first grade students until i haven't gone through the first and um, f- first series of of uh, exams mm-hmm. i'm worth nothing and no uh, initially i don't and you don't know anything I don't and just shut up and learn that there was the grind and after those two years and after i passed all those exams it was the first time that i realized in practice during my internship Mm -hmm. ah actually i i i know a lot more than most people here and actually i'm a, a lot quicker in programming than i thought i always thought i'm (laughs) not not good at that and and so it was i I finished my internship which which was thought for five months in one Mm -hmm. month so i well at work for that and then i stayed another four months i even extended it to six months because i really liked it Mm -hmm. but then i realized i i want to change the second part of that year i don't want to do another internship i want to see a bit more of of the world and that's where i decided when i decided to do a trip and i wanted to go to the the us uh, mainly for the all the nature all the national parks so really not connecting it with an internship or anything like that i didn't Mm -hmm. want to over optimize at that time which is not often (laughs) and especially south america because i was uh, in in my college i studied spanish Mm -hmm. and i spoke quite often with friends but i lost that during my first two years at university because mm-hmm. there was just no occasion to practice that anymore. So I wanted to go to South America as well. And I planned that to do that with my boyfriend there. And it uh, it resulted in that I just split up before, during my internship, I think I did a big step and big transformation also, how I realized how the world is and everything. And I, I lost my him somewhere on that way. And yeah. it turned out that um, yeah, we, and um, we, we thought it's not a good idea to go on a trip together where you're always together. Right. Although we booked a lot of the, of the trip already together and everything. Yeah. It was kind of a last minute change. So that, mm-hmm. that's how it started. And then, um, I started the first, or I, I could, uh, convince one of my colleagues, friends from, from, uh, volleyball to join me for the first three weeks, I think. In the U S just for the national parks, because yeah. I thought about uh it's going to be quite lonely if you're in your car. I mean, traveling in the US is usually you, you have your car and you go, uh, you do your trip basically with your car and that's it. And, and that would be quite lonely, alone in that yeah. car all day. So I asked her and she, she joined me for the first three weeks. That was great because I could start the travels with somebody with the mm-hmm. body and then she flew home from it was in denver when we ended up she flew okay. home from there and i uh, flew over to costa rica to do again to just do a fresh up in a, a course for for my spanish i i but i it was quite fast so so i really liked uh, costa rica especially also the landscape and, and all, all the nature around but uh, the school itself there were mainly uh americans and german and swiss people there so it was very much not for what i applied for and since i traveled before around costa rica before i went to the school it was also a bit like is it really worth to take Mm. too many classes again and since i could practice spanish pretty nicely already and it was also where i had my first basically crisis because traveling alone is not as you would imagine, <laughs> you know, I I still remember ending up in a in a hotel room. It was by that um, in the beginning, especially in the beginning, I I was booking or trying to get to hotels, and mm-hmm. there everybody was either families or couples, mm-hmm. and it was me, and I was ending up talking to the the bartender there and trying to find somebody to connect, and it's just um, by accident that I realized, ah, okay, actually, you have to go to the traveler places. You have to go uh, to the youth hotels or whatever you, you can find mm-hmm. to, to find people yeah, and who are also traveling. Look, and it's, yeah, I think it, it was the first time that I realized it's now you who designs your trip. It's now you who sets the goal for your trip. Yeah. And it's you who decides if you like it or not. And that was, yeah, I think for a long, with, with those long school periods, where always somebody says, you have to learn for that exam, and this is the goal, and, and that's the next step. Yeah, I was a bit overwhelmed by, mm-hmm. by the freedom I had. Also, I think the sad times, there were really good to then find my way through and, and, and find out how, how you travel the way you like. And on my path there, and I then realized, I think that was not initially planned, but I, I realized I wanted to to go to a less touristic place because Costa Rica is still very crowded. So I then flew to, or no, actually I sailed
0: <laughs> over oh, yeah. to San
1: Blas Island to, um, to Colombia and travel wait but you have to
0: you have to tell us about the sailing how did that happen
1: actually not so it's a yeah it was really by accident again but if you're on the pacific coast in costa rica there are many many um sailing agencies and so on where you can Mm -hmm. go for a five to ten days trip over to San Blas island because they're really very beautiful and very touristic again and Mm -hmm. famous (laughs) to be beautiful um, over the San Blas Islands um, of Panama, then to to Costa Rica, uh, to Colombia, or the other way around. It's it's towards both ends. Yeah. But then um, that was more than when when I was there at the Pacific Coast, I realized that actually that's a lot better than to fly, <laughs> and I would end up in in Cartagena or Santa Marta, so at the at the very north of Colombia, mm-hmm. which is also a good place to start travels it's usually also for for your body not not so easy because it's the height is quite significant so i think mm-hmm. you're on more than 1800 meters and a lot of people have also issues then to acclimatize and to to the height so that was another thing and i i love heights from in switzerland you have to i think <laughs> but i was absolutely not in the mood um uh, or i i was addicted a bit to the sea then and to the tropical feeling, so i decided to, to take that home.
0: yeah very nice how long were you in colombia in, in total
1: in colombia was more than i think around one and a half months okay not enough to explore the country at all i always said i have to go back i think that's always if you visit the place and if you after some some weeks you just start to get the feeling of people there and it's it's a it's also really funny if i look back how much faster i could connect to people how how much more interesting it got how much more touching also the relationships got when i when i was i think you need some time Mm -hmm. to adjust and tune in to this culture and and how people are there and and in in hindsight i would maybe broader visit only one country or yeah. area but have more time because the quality uh, of a trip gets better and better
0: yeah that's a great point yeah i've been traveling this there's, there's always quite a bit of overhead when you're just shifting places right and you lose a lot uh, of time in that that isn't really the best part of the trip right <laughs> like going to the airport or you know packing unpacking and things like that so
1: yeah that's especially cool. the packing and unpacking I think after the first few weeks, I already realized I packed too much. But <laughs> that, that's always what you. I think that's a, a big learning. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Cool. I want to talk a little bit about actually the circumstances, like uh, and the time before you went on the trip. So uh, it, it struck me quite interesting what you, like how you explained your time at university. It's, it's a top school. It's very intense. And also the the way you talked about your internship and you found it very practical. You know now you're many years into your career looking back do you think it would have been more useful to have had more internships and in general do you think moving forward higher education should be more about practical
1: <laughs> yeah good question i don't know if it's if really that university should teach you about practical things and to be fair we had a lot um, i mean eth the first two years is a lot of theory yes but we always have kind of practical courses there as well usually very <laughs> outdated yeah. so i still remember that we have i think it was something around digital technology it was called it was around digital circuits and so on i think it was a, a practical course around doing a melody um just with 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 flip-flop and other circuits in between so you had to design the circuit that in the end you could produce a melody mm-hmm. and we had to store that on a floppy disk i still remember that <laughs> i mean just that you know I, I think it was in 2009 or 2010 so yeah. definitely not the floppy disk <laughs> time anymore so yeah it was always a bit this contrast of now you get top-notch education and latest research knowledge yeah. basically and on the other side <laughs> very outdated uh, I think the curriculum and the the way how how you got that knowledge was mm-hmm. just simply outdated. That's also where this this whole the insecurity came from for many students. they They tried a bit to keep you keep you small in the mm-hmm. beginning. I mean, it's fact that it, I think in electrical engineering it was half of more than half of the whole whole people that started. Uh, didn't pass the first exam. So yeah. and the first exam was, was after one year. So it was they always wanted to make sure that everybody knows that they have to keep learning and and start learning as early as possible because it's gonna be tough. That that was basically the message. And and if you're not, I did a, a, <laughs> my high school in in languages, as I said i had mm-hmm. latin and spanish and um i was very interested in in sports and music and the artistic <laughs> subjects mm-hmm. as well but of course i was always also interested in in the whole mathematical analytical and engineering stuff mm-hmm. but i just didn't get the education from high school that i had the best the best preparation for that subject in electrical engineering at ETH. and i realized yeah. pretty fast okay i it's going to be very tough for me because i simply didn't have the courses i would have needed to be prepared best i could for university yeah. right i didn't need any professor to tell me uh, you're you're just a stupid <laughs> student in the beginning and uh, you have to keep working in order to make it in in the exam i for me that was more really that 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 um, cost me more than it helped me but i think it's also a bit individual depends a bit on, on the person. I took it very personal and I always thought, oh, if I knew that this world is not so bad as I, as I always was preached, maybe I, I would have enjoyed the first year more. After the first exam, so the first year, I realized, okay, I can do it, I survived, mm-hmm. I passed the exam, and um, as one of, I think in our year, it was even only 40%. That gave me uh, it gave me a boost in in my self-esteem and and also yeah. helped me then to to um look for these internships because you have to plan ahead otherwise internships work on pretty fast and the second year also i perceived um, as a lot more relaxed and a lot more fun also courses got more practical i think yeah. i i think it's also a, a reasoning behind behind the pure volume and numbers of students why mm-hmm. in the first year usually you have a lot more theory than practical courses you simply cannot provide the same all the, the equipment you need and, and the, the staff you need to, to provide practical courses is of course a, a lot higher so the second year was a lot better and then the internship but the internship was really that there there was a point of, of I had an unchained feeling I could I, I simply could I realized how big the world is and how how big of a footprint i i can make if if i want um, and that there there are all no the, the, i i saw this border swanish that was my, my my own borders in my mind and i could see them at break free or i could break free for them and i and the, the internship did in was at Swisscom in the quality assurance team testing of of the whole it was at at the tv section so a lot of signal processing again in terms of uh, audio and video signal processing we we tried to yeah to analyze the quality we need on a network to have decent audio and video quality there so it was really interesting to see and quite a engineering or quite a theoretical subject in practice and how this affected basically customers who wanted to see tv without freezing pictures or lip sync or any audio issue and how that how to test that in a big quite big corporation i mean swisscom is the biggest telecom company in switzerland and and uh, it, it was also where i realized the first time uh, how important a network is and how important it is that you that you find um find uh Colleagues there that you connect with them that you know whom to ask when uh, that you make sure that always somebody owes you something that in case you need <laughs> them you you can you can leverage the knowledge or the help from others so um mm-hmm. and and I think that was the first time where I in, um, realized that emotional capabilities or or social components uh, and, and skills of, of a human being how important that is in practice mm-hmm. yeah. because that's what you don't learn in in uh, at university or just very limited yeah. usually everything is reduced to theoretical skills and, and i mean we, we did programming i, I still remember at c with a pen and paper
0: yeah And so an internship was required, but you still had to get your internship somehow, right? So how did you how did you land that internship at Swisscom?
1: Uh, That's also a funny story. I have no honestly, I have no idea how. I just know that I applied for many different uh, internships, usually with the consulting companies like Accenture and so on. Um, you could apply for getting just uh, their standard internship for three months. I think it was. i applied for one of those as well and i still remember they had a whole assessment day it happened to be on my birthday i still remember that as well and i went there and i felt so wasted after it because it was freaking it was really an assessment day so from morning to till the end you were there. you had interviews you had to do group tasks the whole whole thing for a three months internship yeah (laughs) which was i think Paid very badly by the time, still. Just yeah. uh, by the way, that that was one thing I tried, and mm-hmm. that's the, the internship I cancelled then after six months in with Swisscom because <laughs> I I realized how important it is to also do other experiences like traveling. so Yeah. I'm really ha- I don't regret to cancel that before I started, <laughs> but I didn't have uh, practical. Uh, a consulting internship experience then because yeah. for the favor of of my trip in south america and uh, that was one thing and and to organize that the other thing was i what i always knew i want to do something around signal processing i was just very much into that space then and i i looked around for possibilities there around this and i, th- I think it was really by accident that i uh, stumbled over or I, I sent it um, to an HRP person um, at Swisscom who I met at the at the university networking event, and I didn't realize for a long time talking to her that she is an HR, okay. uh, that she's there to um, to attract people, and yeah. that was I, I, I was so positively uh, uh, surprised there by by that experience that it was she really seemed to be interested that she didn't even mention that she is looking for students interested in internship. that i and i actively reached out to her because i knew she works at swisscom and asked her if she knows uh, an area a team that works with signal processing and yeah. by accident she was actually an hr represent
0: yeah. really
1: looking for students interested so it was really a good a very good uh hiring experience to, so, so to say indirect hiring experience with her and then she um she organized me i think it was just even a, over a beer really <laughs> really um pleasant with that completely contrast to the accenture hiring experience with the boss of that team and then it was pretty clear and um, that this works and uh, they explained me everything and I had, I mean, I had a blast in that team, just not to to learn um, everything around the subject Mm -hmm. uh, around, uh, but more around the corporate world, how it works. And people were really good to me. I think most of them, for for them, I was always the the small one. (laughs) Uh, I was always the youngest and, and, and everybody tried to show the best work experience to me because yeah. I was new, right. And um, I really value that. I, yeah. I know that it's not, not always the case. So yeah, yeah. yeah. I a good start.
0: <laughs> it, it sounds like a very positive hiring experience. And then also just just the time that you had there. And so now I'm curious. So if we fast forward a bit, how did you how did you join open systems?
1: Yeah, then I was I, I did my master's then uh, mm-hmm. honestly, this this took quite some some mental effort to decide then again to go, to leave the corporate world again yeah. and, and start with the masters and, and still finish that i always wanted to do biomedical engineering that was always my goal as a masters but i realized that uh, i'm really interested in the signal processing i wanted to do more more around audio acoustics so just from a subject i was interested and that i had actually more freedom and choice if I go with the normal electrical engineering masters. So I did normal mm-hmm. electrical engineering masters. And there I met uh, some very good colleagues till now. Um, and so some of them started already, uh, actually, too, at, at Open Systems at that company doing network and network security in Zurich. And I had no clue uh, from ne- either <laughs> neither from network nor from security. <laughs> i did have courses in that area so it was not completely new for me but never specifically around uh, security or or network in it and i always worked 20 or 30 percent depends depend a bit on my schedule uh, in the masters but during the masters studies, i always worked part-time still at swisscom but in Mm -hmm. another team where they just came up with the first, I think Scrum and Agile developed product. They developed their second series of TV TV boxes basically at the back end for it. And and it was great to have at least that balance of still practical work mm-hmm. with this product focus. And yeah, and and finally I and then I decided it doesn't contradict at all. It's also about a product development at open systems because the, the, the job i joined there or did there and um, as my first job was in the professional services area so um it was really about a technical account management they called it which mm-hmm. is basically technical consulting for new customers but also for uh, and more and more for also for retention customers and um, so customers that had new projects and tried to integrate networks and network or try to to change their networks, or try to integrate more security network security into their landscape. So the whole people experience and and how to behave in the corporate world helped me a lot there. And also the whole knowledge around uh, signal processing in the sense of how do I apply or it was not really coding, it was more configuring and how to uh, tune a software that it makes what I want was mm-hmm. also matching very much what I did during my master's. So.
0: Yeah. yeah. And so when you, in that first role, how, how many weeks in a month or how many months in a year were you on the road traveling, visiting customers?
1: In the beginning, not so much because it was more, more, mainly for a Swiss based companies or mm-hmm. I was traveling, but more in the area of Zurich and then more and more, I took over responsibility for international companies. Then I was traveling quite a lot. It was usually like two weeks, maybe per quarter, where Mm -hmm. I was really overseas with the jet lag and everything that was already exhausting. And then uh, more and more customers also from Germany. So which we try to do usually over two days a week. So Mm -hmm. yeah, if you take that, it was quite, quite an intense time for traveling. Uh, honestly what was more intense and what i think is really exhausting over time uh, in that business is more the weekend work or the evening work usually if you do changes in the network or also on security companies of a, of a big international company you yeah. cannot do that during working hours and and first of all finding off hours <laughs> in an international company is really difficult usually it's then um, over weekends some, some a slot around that and secondly it's just very much you, you're very much dependent on the schedule of the customer. So you're you you, you have the responsibility but you have no no say on, on the schedule or it's really hard to yeah. claim that and that was also that that's was quite intense. Yeah. I mean I loved to work with customers. It's still one of the most exciting times I think of my life Um mm-hmm. really because you see uh, so many companies you see so many different different cultures different people and you see so many different ways how you can deploy also in, in a in a um, from a subject matter point of view how you can deploy a network or how you can integrate security so from that point of view it was great because I could see the variety of things and I could see do's and don'ts yeah. or make my own list of that. And um, but on the other side, I said, and um, I missed at some point a bit, the, yeah, the control over my own time, especially schedule. So, so you're very much steered by customers.
0: Yeah. And so I, there are two specific points uh, during your tenure at open systems. I want to talk about one is, uh, and you tell me, which it makes more sense to start with one is how you made your transition into product marketing and the second is at some point after having done a bachelor's and a master's at ddh you decided you wanted to go back and do another master's
1: it's actually good because they the, the two of them they go together it was very much so, so first of all after i think it was nearly four years and um, mm-hmm. even after three years in this professional services and um, role i already felt that i'm yeah, I, I love to have my own control, the control over my own tasks and schedule.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm very
1: much uh, a person who, la- who likes to, to be self-responsible and yeah. uh, and have that control. I realized this is something I need to change at some point, otherwise I'm gonna be, I, I, I'm I not gonna be okay anymore. That was the first thing and, and, uh, and I was, Always very much in contact with one guy that was also in that uh, professional service area, and he he then transitioned into a product manager role, and we usually did uh, go for a run together. So I knew him mainly from a from his private side, but of course we always talked about also about roles and and things that that happened at open systems. And then um, over many runs, mm-hmm. we had at some point the idea that we, we are missing a bit mm-hmm. the, the the bridge between technical know-how and knowledge and and marketing or specifically when we talked about presentations or the, the impact you can have as this professional services engineer mm-hmm. at the customer because you're in close contact with customers right to do upsells and um, and or cross-sells so and yeah. um, that you're actually a technical you're not only a technical consultant but you're also technical sales if you act in the interest of the company right and i very much love to do decks around the explanation the detailed or technical explanations um, of of features and why it would make sense for them to to implement the feature or to to go for for a, a certain product and so on so i i really love the translation from deep technical knowledge to to a more and um, customer friendly <laughs> and, and customer centric narrative. And that yeah. explained why this would make sense for them, right? And then uh, we talked about that. And then um, at some point he said, this colleague said, you know what, um, I think this is called product marketing <laughs> because it was um, beginning of 2018. And to be honest, in, in Europe, product marketing was not very well known yet. At least you could not find it in job ads. By that time it was usually product manager something uh, something around that in the product organization yeah we talked maybe for half a year we talked around that and at some point he was quite senior and long longer in the company than i was mm-hmm. but uh, together we launched then the product marketing department and we built that um fr- from scratch basically at open systems and this was also the the precondition maybe to come to your second point. Um, I said for myself that I need a different role, a more internal role to be able to study. Mm -hmm. I always wanted to gain more knowledge, especially in the technical marketing field, because I'm an engineer by training. I have nothing, I haven't haven't learned anything around marketing
0: uh,
1: from from a theoretical point of view or at, at university or so. And that it was also difficult to I mean, there was nobody teaching you how you do product marketing, nobody could tell us how to build up. So that was another resource, both of us wanted to leverage that I could take courses in technical marketing, um, maybe even a bit more around skills based focus around building teams, how to, to find uh, your job or how to define your role within the whole product marketing uh, a product organization not only product marketing and all that stuff so so that was one part i wanted to cover with the studies the other part was also that we had i think it was kind of an entrepreneurial not an entrepreneurial but an intrapreneurial approach that we took because it, it was clearly coming from us, the idea of having a new department doing <laughs> and what we do. So all everything around that, because then you need the business case, you need to define what you do, you you need to know a bit what impact you can do on the financial side, all that stuff. I clearly wanted to broaden my knowledge in general around intra and entrepreneurial stuff, which. Uh, where of course all the business administrative uh, subjects go, go into it so mm-hmm. i looked for an mba with um, a focus on technology of course and a focus on technology marketing and and for me the the it's called a management technology and economics course which is basically an mba for engineers at eth that fit perfectly into into my plan and that's why yeah. i i took it there uh,
0: Yeah. So, so you were, you were working and doing that at the same time.
1: Yeah. So a lot of stuff going on again, (laughs) but it was, and it's designed for that as well. So, so Mm -hmm. they suggest to take a bit more time off from, or to reduce your pens a bit more than I did. Yeah. So it was quite a lot, quite hectic, but still manageable. And also, Due to the fact that um, my, the other colleague covered me very well as well as I could, I could manage to.
0: And and so in general, of course, now, like, you know, we, we constantly have to learn, we constantly have to develop, what are some of the resources you turn to? Is it, is it other professionals in the field? Is it free online resources it courses?
1: A bit of everything i think in the in the end you have to find your mix and um, mm-hmm. that, that uh, and and it depends a bit also on what you want to do if it's really uh, very specific knowledge you you have to gain usually then i turn to uh, free online stuff and also sometimes courses usually i don't take courses um where i don't have any recommendation for or in my network or yeah. anybody who did it and I, and I i simply i'm constantly asking my network around stuff about their opinion if i know they have done it already or something like that yeah. so if it's really about specific knowledge i think what the internet has to offer is amazing you find yeah. a lot of stuff very quickly and and there are some com- well-known sources where you'll find um, better stuff especially communities as well around yeah. the subject better you you want to learn more if it's around um but i think in in general you you should not underestimate um the importance of generic uh generic knowledge you want to gain generic skills you want to build or 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 improve um Mm -hmm. and there um i think coach is something extremely helpful i had the pleasure to have coach during my studies, it was a program also of that uh, M-Tech study, Um, and uh, um, she helped me a lot (laughs) during very troubled times as well, and not only professionally, but also personally, and also how to approach certain things in general, and how to find the way you want to work, you want to search for a new job, you want to search for knowledge even, (laughs) Um, just to find to find the way that that fits best the purpose you want and yeah. uh, your style, and I think that's extremely powerful and helpful, and it just changes everything you do as a whole. So I'm um, I can only recommend that you that you, more not not over the whole time. I mean,
0: mm-hmm. I haven't
1: been in contact with her more than a year now, and I recently remembered ah, I have to to check if I, if we can have a session around that. But just, and it doesn't have the same person or so to be the same person all the time. But yeah, I think that generic education helps a lot. And the generic exchange with, mm-hmm. with somebody else who has maybe a different opinion about you or sees different angles, that yeah. helps a lot. And I'm a big fan of podcasts as well, <laughs> because simply because I think over... Um, audio you you process stuff differently again especially mm-hmm. if you do something in the meantime like usually i i clean my house when i listen to it so i or or i walk i take a walk or something like that um and I realized that um for certain things especially when it gets a bit more philosophical or where it's more around people and more around emotional pieces of work or mm-hmm. how to to go to troublesome some t- times, how to organize uh, your team, how to overcome, I don't know, an argument, something like that, Yeah. then it helps a lot for, for me that that's a, a very good resource. And and there are some amazing, really, 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 really good podcasts, even sometimes very specific, sometimes very broad, but all of that can help.
0: Yeah, nice. And so now I'd like to come to where you are right now, S- seven, eight months ago, you joined a new organization and took on a new role. So tell us a bit about that.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think, um, after seven years, more than seven years at, at open systems, I was looking for, for change mainly f- from a, from an organizational point of view as well, to, to also develop my skills and myself, mm-hmm. and I was looking for a company that is Uh, is in a tech tech space as well that is founded in Europe or or Switzerland and uh, where the founders are still in the company. I think the heart you you usually feel if if you're there and and the spirit and actually it was not easy (laughs) to all my my criteria, my criteria were quite uh, ambitious finally i found a a company called scandit who does scanning software so a a software development kit for scanning basically visual processing and uh, yeah that had fulfilled all the criteria on my list and uh, joined them uh, in product marketing and it's not called product marketing there and they decided last year to split the role of Product marketing into into two. One that is a, a gener- generic product marketers that uh, really have a product line um, mm-hmm. for, behind them, and and then do all the the product marketing work around uh, launches uh, of the of a certain product from that product line and um, and one and the other sector of product marketing was split into called what they call industry solution management and um, which is basically a verticalized product marketing team mm-hmm. and i joined there as industry solutions manager for transport and logistics and travel i do everything that connects all the products we have so the whole breadth of the products towards that vertical and and how this manifests because It depends very much where you use our scanning software, how you market it, what is important, and and the markets are just quite different if you have um, your scanning software applied in retail or um, at at the postal company who who, uh, delivers parcels. It's just different use cases, even different um, economical stages of the industry, different pricing because of that, different narratives that resonate.
0: Yeah, so actually, but, but even within your vertical, I imagine like logistics through the pandemic versus transport through the pandemic, it's two different stories, right?
1: Exactly, so so um, I have the whole breadth of the product portfolio, which gets bigger and bigger with not only scanning, I mean, it, it was in, in the first place, basically scanning barcodes, mm-hmm. <laughs> now to scanning, uh, scanning, a shelf for example in retail and trying uh, and, and counting the objects there or doing price label verification so f- to object detection and and text recognition like everything you can think of in terms of data capture yeah Um. so that that evolves quite a lot and this diverse and the other is uh, the vertical itself and you mentioned it i mean air travel And which was one of the most successful sub verticals in that space was completely, I mean, during the pandemic, there was barely any work to do there. And, and on the other side with the e-commerce boom Mm -hmm. we have uh, in in the whole logistics and especially last mile delivery space. And there is a lot of work to do. And, And now it's, it's my task as well to figure out where we want to place our bets. Mm-hmm. And
0: invest yeah. most of our time. Nice. So I want to wrap up by asking a, a final question on actually, I want to ask for your advice, but not generic advice because I think advice it's, it's so much depends on context. So actually I want to ask, what would be the advice you would have for yourself at the start of your career?
1: Yeah, and there are several things you can say, but if it's only one advice, um, I could give it was clearly, it's gonna be all right and it's gonna be balanced because i think the most important thing you can reach or for me the most important thing i i always thought i want to reach is balance somehow that that i feel very where i want to be and somehow balanced not only like work life but also in in general where where i am what i do (laughs) is it um tasks that i like versus tasks that i don't like everything is should be somehow in balance my advice would be sometimes you feel you might feel balanced and trust your feeling then because after maybe it's it's then a longer term it always depends on the timeline you give yourself uh, to rate if you have been in balance or not if you if over time this has um this has really given you what you wanted from it or whatever, if, if it has paid off or not any investment, all, all those things always depend on the timeline you measure it. So if it's only for three months or only for, or then for, for seven years and, and in the end, you want to say I was imbalanced. And I think and my advice would really be trust your free, your gut feeling in terms of if you, if you think you're imbalanced or. You should act depending on, on what it is because in hindsight it will turn out that that uh, your gut feeling has been pretty damn right so don't <laughs> worry too awesome. much about that <laughs>
0: yeah yeah patricia thank you so much for joining we talked about doing this i think more than six months ago so i'm glad we, uh, we finally got around to it thank you so much
1: thank you for having me
0: As always, thank you very much for listening. If you've been enjoying the show, I'd really appreciate a rating and review in your podcast app. Thank you and see you next time.